Hello and welcome to the Sauk Valley Spotlight Podcast, where we shine a light on the people and places of the beautiful Sauk Valley. In each episode, we highlight the hidden gems and untold stories of local businesses, community leaders, and the people that call the Sauk Valley home. I'm your host, Drew Williams, and today I'm joined by Lee Hartman, who oversees the CEO program for Whiteside County. Lee, thanks for joining us today. Well, you are welcome. I'm very happy to be here. Absolutely. Can you just give us a quick snapshot? Who are you? Who do you love? Give us an intro for Lee. Well, it's pretty basic. I have been an educator my entire life. And if I'm not the educator, I've been a student. So my world is education. Um, and lucky for me, I fell into a career that I love and it seemed to be a good fit for me. And then, of course, the people I love are family. Mm. Um, I'm from a small town in northeast Iowa, a town of 300 people. I'm a farm girl and I just love my parents. Um and my siblings, I, I try to get back monthly mm. to see them. I think that's so important. And then, of course, looking at the other side of my family would be my children. Um, I have a daughter, Lauren, who is in the suburbs. She um, is all things about food. She's a foodie, and she works for a company that... Um, uh, gets food to commercial industries like restaurants and and knows more about food than anybody I know. So we have great talks about that. And then my other daughter, Liberty, is a third grade teacher in um, Freeport. Okay. And I have grandchildren. Oh, how wonderful. Kennedy and Harrison. So we're into the presidential names. <laughs> That's cool. That's <laughs> yeah, good. it's kind of fun. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Okay. And so thank you. And you were you're saying that, you know, you've always been in education. Yes. It's clearly a, a passion of yours. Can you tell me a little bit of of the story of that? Maybe uh, it, it could be maybe your whole trajectory or maybe just the, the parts that have led you to where you are now overseeing the CEO program. And can you remind me what the acronym stands for? Creating Entrepreneurial Opportunities. Yeah. And this it's is a program that's focused on Bringing business and education together, really, um, yeah. so the kids are immersed into the business world, yeah, and it's pretty fabulous. So, yeah, I'm yeah. lucky to be a part of that. So, so what what led towards that to, to take you from being just, you know, as a student, loving learning, becoming an educator, to now helping high school students catch a passion for business and seeing how that can become a part of their future here in this area. Well, it's probably kind of an interesting story because um, after I graduated from college, the University of Northern Iowa in Cedar Falls, my first position right out of college was at Lanark High School, which is now Eastland. Okay. So at age 22, that was my first job. And I always joke, I was in the same district, in the same building, and in the same room all 33 years of that career. <laughs> wow. That doesn't happen anymore. Um but it was a very small school, and mm. I was the only person in my particular department, which is family and consumer sciences. Okay. Uh, for older folks listening, that would be home economics. Yep, yep. Hence the great discussions on food with my oldest daughter. Absolutely. So, so that. And so after I retired, and I will tell you that along the way... Um, our family had some, um, what do I want to say, some tough times and some struggles, which led me to not live in Lanark anymore and move mm. to, to Sterling. And um, the last six years of that career, I commuted there. So even though I've been in the sock in Sterling for 16 years, um, six of those years, I was still um, going to Lanark. Yeah. And, you know, once you're in a small school as yeah. a high school teacher... 
with all the extra duties, my my life here was pretty limited because it was still there. Yeah, you're all you're there all the time. Teachers right. are are notoriously they're early and late. <laughs> well, you got to go to the games. True. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and support the kids. Yeah. And yeah. so how did that transition from being a a, a person kind of um, helping students fall in love with, um, I don't, how, how do you describe it? It's, uh, you know, uh, home ec isn't yeah. always considered an academic yeah. part of academia. Right, right. It's more of a, a life skill Part. It's more of well-rounding the individual and making sure that it's not all book knowledge type stuff and, and, and seeing students excel in more tactile, kinesthetic learning type environments. How did that transition to business development? <laughs> well, the, the link really between what I did then and what I do now is that um, the soft skills and the personal introspective learning, just being a good person. So, you know, I'm teaching kids how to sew, but I always tell them, you think this is about sewing? It's not about sewing. It's about perseverance. It's about following directions. It's about having a job well done. It's about self-esteem when you get done. I mean, I'm very passionate about that. And that is truly the link really to any educational setting, any classroom really, Mm. or project you work with kids. Mm. It's not just about the content. Right. Um, But when I retired, finally, and I was here, I looked around my house and said, what am I going to do now? And at that time, um, some local people um, heard about the CEO program, program which originated in Effingham, Illinois. Okay. And it was about five years old there and was highly successful. And they said, why are we keeping this to ourselves? Yeah. So they started putting the word out. Some local people said, we need to bring this here. Yeah. It was advertised in the paper about the time I was saying things like, what am I going to do next? And here I am 10 years later. Wow. Uh-huh. And so you got to actually be a part of establishing that program here. I did. And you know, what was really perfect for me was it was a brand new initiative. And yeah. that is the area I really thrive in. And semi-retired then, I had the time to devote to it at the beginning of it, to, to, you know, to really make sure it was working and and giving it that extra push that it needed. I feel like that was really important to me and I had the time. Yes. So it was a perfect in my career time. So, so you have a a strong entrepreneurial streak yourself then, if you like starting up new initiatives. Well, I, I think that's probably true. And, you know, we talked before the podcast, some similarities, you don't necessarily have to have a business to feel that entrepreneurial spirit. Yeah. And um, I think I'm a creative thinker and mm. a problem solver, and that's what I really love. And so that initiative, that new initiative of the CEO program really hit home there. So what has been actually the thing that has uh, been most fulfilling to you then? Has it been, and, and, and these are not mutually exclusive at all, um, has it been establishing this program, starting it up, having this baby and seeing it grow? Or has it been that's just a vehicle to give you opportunities to connect with students and help them come alive in their passions? Like which one which one excites you? <laughs> well, more. Oh, I, yeah, that's not, that's a hard that's question. not a fair question. No, no, I know you shouldn't have to pick between the two. <laughs> well, I think simultaneously, and especially at the beginning, the initiative was the exciting part. And they were happening at the same time, because when you're in the classroom for 90 minutes at this program, it's all about the kids. Mm. But then when that's over, it's all about making sure 
you're going that little bit extra mile to making the connections with the business community that you need to make, sending an extra email, you know, just yeah. the little things, yeah. as you know, that make a difference. Um, and I had the time to do it. So that's when that part of it kind of kicked in, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? It, so it was simultaneous. Yeah. And so now as, as you, the, the, the program is, you know, it's, you, it knows what it's doing. You know what you're doing. It's 10 <laughs> years in, you know, it's, I'm assuming running smoother than maybe the first year or two. Maybe not. Who knows? Um, but it, it's not it's not creating something out of scratch anymore. And so now, as you have this system that I'm sure you're still working with, you know, here and there, it's always tweaking and tuning. Um, what do you find has been um, the the best way to connect students with an understanding not only for their own entrepreneurial passions, but particularly about reinvesting here in this community, because that's part of the focus of it, right? Is, Absolutely. Is to reinvest here in the Sauk Valley. Well, first I have to comment on, you know, now at 10 years, you kind of know what's working <laughs> because I just had a conversation with someone yesterday. It's like, well, we've been at it 10 years, but now I have time to focus on making this part of the program better and right, this part better. Right. It's, it's really weird in education because it's always morphing and then sure. you know you can do something better. Right. So um, uh, before I answer that question, I do want to say that it did grow into two classes. So that's pretty cool, mm, too. Mm. And not just um, the one here. We have um, another facilitator, Emily Zimmerman, who is in Dixon. Wonderful. And so more students can appreciate it. So that is one of the morphing that's changed. Yeah. And with that change comes figuring out new things. So yeah. even though we're 10 years in, boy, there's always new things to figure out and make better. So yeah. there's that. But in terms of connecting kids with the community, I think students would tell you this, and I see it over and over again. They learn so much about things they did not know. Yeah, Like they had no idea. We were at Verifax, for example, but I could mention any, any business, but we were just there last week. Like I had no idea they existed and what they did. That's what students said to me. I go, I know. Right. I didn't either, but now we do. And I tell my students, you probably know more about the Sauk Valley area. Well, I know you do. You know more about the Sauk Valley area than the average person here. Absolutely. Well, because, and it's one of those things where, I mean, it's a small community. You think everyone knows everything, but it, it still takes work to get the word out. And the thing that I've appreciated about this area, having only just recently moved here, is there's there's such an entrepreneurial spirit, entrepreneurial spirit in this area. There's so many small businesses, you know, non-franchise businesses, even those franchises are great too, but right. these, these startups, these mom and pop things, this, these, these local homegrown businesses that I, I don't know. I just, you know, when I think of, um, the average Midwest town that used to have a mill, yeah, that's not how the story normally goes, but there's been something unique about this area. Yeah, I, I think you're right. Um, it's, and that's a big discussion in itself, you know, what is happening with online and yeah. all of those things and, you know, which communities does it affect more than others? That, that's just such a big topic in itself. Mm. Um, but I think what we're seeing is that people want experiences. And even when it comes to the sh- world of shopping and buying products and services, we want the experiences of, um, you know, going for lunch and then shopping and then, you know, that's kind of coming back and yeah. I, I see it coming back here. Yeah. So connecting the students with 
so many business people. We go on about 40 tours and visit 40 businesses. During the school year? During the school year. Wow. And then on top of that, I probably bring in about 60 people into the classroom who talk about their expertise. Oh, my goodness. So I will have students who go on to college um, or even live somewhere else, and they'll say, hey, um, do you still have so-and-so's contact number? I have a question about something. Or, oh, my gosh, I love that. That is so cool. Yeah. Okay, so that that's a unique part of the position as well, is being a community bridge, a, a, a relational hub. How do you go about building those relationships with business owners, business leaders, community leaders? Well, that's, that is also a very interesting question because, like I said previously, my life was at Eastland and right. Lanark the first six years I lived here. Right. Um, so I, I really didn't know very many people. Um, I had a, a friend help me that first year, but I did not know him until they hired him to help me. And that's Norm Dietz. I have to give okay. a shout out to Norm yeah. because mm-hmm. he knew everybody and yeah. I didn't know anybody. Yeah. And he was from the business world and I was from the education world. Mm. And we became a, just a great team. And he's still a friend today, even though he stepped down from his his. Um, daily work with with the CEO program. Um, but he really helped me connect with people. And I guess I wasn't afraid to do cold calls, mm-hmm. um, have a Absolutely. C- the CEO board is extremely helpful. I know this person who can help you with this. Um, so yeah, you know, it took a it took an army to make it all happen. It just, I guess, yeah, lucky me, I get to know everybody. But now <laughs> and now you have relationships with many business owners in the area, many entrepreneurial minded people, startup minded people, and and you get to connect them and and give them positions as mentors to the next generation. Um, And so how how do you go about, I don't know, picking, picking who to pursue? You know, if, if, if I was a, a business owner, that's just now finding out about the CEO program that not the program, but, Oh, Hey, there's mentors and, you know, I, I might be interested in, in, you know, connecting with the next generation or something like that. What, what, what advice would you give to someone, whether they contact you or just to, to know how to find someone to take under their wing? Oh, you're asking really hard questions. Yeah. (laughs) These aren't ones I prepared you for either. Sorry. Well, I know that you um, said that you would offer some links at the end of this with the podcast, which I can give my email address and things like that. Um, I have to I have to let the listeners know if they don't know this that the program is supported by business people financially. Mm. So we have investors of the program and they are often the first speakers and tours I lean to. And in the sure. beginning that was especially important because I had to start somewhere. Yeah. And you know the program wouldn't exist without them. I mean yeah. they are the backbone for sure. Um, and then as the program grew and more people heard about it, you know, an email to me, I'll work anybody and everybody in if I can. Yeah. Um, but as time goes on, there's more and more people. It, it mm-hmm. gets more difficult to do. And so kind of a rotation system or, or something is the next hurdle. Right. You know, we talk about things yeah. morphing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, an email um, to me is a, a good way to start that. Mm-hmm. And what I have learned about, I'm going to generalize now and I hate doing that, but generally speaking, I think sometimes teenagers scare my business folks, like they're coming in to present, right? Yeah. And I don't blame them. I'd be oh, frightened yeah. too, probably. Yep, yep, yep. I have been around high school kids my entire career, yeah. so I don't really fully get that, but yet I do. Yes. Um, and my high school kids are really nervous 
and fearful with them. Because yeah. and, and I get that part yeah. because my first year was really difficult. Attorneys, bankers, executive directors, president of the college. I mean, that's intimidating. Yeah. I'm right there with the kids. Yeah. And of course, I have learned these are people just like mm. you and I. Um, but isn't it interesting that both sides yeah. have this nervousness about coming together? So you ask about being a mentor. I think people just have to be cold call, be bold, you take people under their wing, just just do it. Yeah. And mentorship is a tough thing. And again, we talk about morphing the program and improving it. We have a mentor program that we set up for the kids. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we pair them with a the business person and it takes work to make it work. Yeah. And I can't do that work. It has to be from the student and the mentor. Yeah. Um, they always say um, it's a building relationship. I say it's a forced relationship building. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you have to really work at that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, one of our previous guests, uh, Nick Pepper, oh, who Nick. owns yes. 724, yes. He, he serves as one of your mentors and yes. um, has, has helped out the program before. And, and you know, it, it takes a, a person like that who, I mean, Nick being in the fitness space, being a, you know, a trainer who now also is a business owner and a manager of many other trainers. Relationship is the name of his game. Yeah. Which honestly, though, truly, it's kind of the name of any business is, is personal relationship. You know, I, I heard a quote recently that no one, uh, no one gets into business to run a business. They get into it because they fall in love with a product or, uh, see a, a need in, in the, the community that they, they think they can fill. Um, and then you get, you get bogged down in, some of the running of the business part of it. And so that's where a program like the CEO program of actually getting some education as a backbone underneath some of these maybe natural innate passions that people have um, is so important because, you know, so many people just go, hey, I have an idea. And then we're told this is America. This is the 21st century. You can go do it. (laughs) Yeah. But, you know, What's the what's the statistic I heard recently from? Uh, I don't remember what journal this was from, but sixty three percent of small businesses fail within the first eighteen months. Yeah, you know because tough. because it it is hard. And so I guess maybe um, now that you've been spending all the years you had teaching high school students, and then now this last decade specifically focusing on helping. Uh, fan into flame the entrepreneurial passions and the the business minded passions. What what do you think it takes for someone to to have that spark to to start a business or or run a business? What are what are some of the things that you notice? Oh, that that's that's helpful. Develop that. Oh boy. That's like a whole year of CEO right there is the answer. Yeah, we're <laughs> we, we're asking for the cliff notes here. Yeah. Um you know um you know, the hard work um, is behind it all. I mean, you know, it's not, you know, you you say you're going to be your own boss so that you have more time. No, <laughs> that's not how this works. According to what I've learned, yeah. it's that 40 hour week and then another 40 yeah. hour week to make sure it happens. Any problem that goes south, it's yours. You know, you own yeah. it all. But, you know, I think not forgetting the why. I mean, when you Mm -hmm. speak to that passion side, Mm -hmm. you get buried in the content of the day-to-day nitty-gritty of a business. Um, I I think the people I've talked to, the CEO class I've talked to, they keep that why in front of them. You know, their customer service 
you know, and that's that passion. And when they keep that in front of them, they keep moving forward, right, right? you know? So, and then another thing that we learn over and over and over again is don't be afraid to fail. Mm. You know, so you talk about businesses that don't make it, you know, I, I think I've even heard this, the mantra fail fast. Yeah. Like hurry up and fail so you can move on and learn. Yeah. And, you know, what is really interesting about working with high school kids is in high school, you know, it's all about getting that A, right? So the failing fast motto doesn't work so well, right? Yeah. <laughs> because they've been taught. there's a grade. Got to get the grade. Got to yeah. get the grade point average. And there's nothing wrong with that. And it's important too. But now we're telling you, it's okay to fail. Yeah. Mm. It's kind of retraining the brain a little bit. Well, and also I think it's it's offering an alternative to what? standardized education kind of paints as like a, a one way only to see the world. And, and mm-hmm. there's all kinds of studies out there that, and now with, with more knowledge around, you know, neurodivergence and things like that of being much more common than we used to think that, Oh, different types of students learn differently. Yeah. And, and, and it's, it's helpful to hear there's different types of ways to, to hit a problem and to, um, uh, one of the one of the mantras we have around here uh, with with uh, the team that I work with is is fail forward. That too, yeah, you, you know, yeah. and because it's it, it, it's really not success and failure. It's it's learning and learning. You know, you you learn what worked and you learn what didn't work, so you can change it next time. And yeah. and and so, but that is a, a hard thing uh, to unlearn things that have been ingrained to us from from pre kindergarten about grades, right? you know, and this is, this is a good grade and this is a bad grade, not this was a learning opportunity. Right. So uh, I guess, uh, do you find that is a, a thing that you're having to hit harder for students sometimes to, to kind of help them, uh, be open to the idea of failure? You know, I think it's, uh, you know, I, I haven't been in the normal classroom for 10 years yeah. and I think it's changed, Yeah, you know, and I think there's more emphasis on processes versus mm. the final grade. Mm. And so that's where in education today, there is more, probably more than ever of sure. that. Sure. And, you know, I hate to talk in generalities because science classes have always looked at an experiment, go, well, here's what went wrong and what did we learn? So, uh, you know, we're talking so generally, you yeah, know, yeah. but at the end of the day for a student, they're looking for the grade. And there's a lot riding on that for them. It might be a scholarship. It might be entry into the school they want to get into. So you can't blame yeah. them. Yep. But in CEO, we try to create an atmosphere right from the beginning. And it's hard to do, but it's okay to fail. And your grade, you will not get a bad grade if the business you decide to do doesn't work. Hmm. And that's okay. As a matter of fact, we take as few of grades as possible. Yeah. But we also, the few grades we do take, like they write a journal every Sunday night. If it's not in by eight o'clock, it's a zero. Yeah. It, and then in education, and I'm uh, that was me, again, speaking generally, okay, here's some extra credit or here's a way to help your grade improve. And see how we don't do that. Yeah. But that's all they have to do, basically, is right. get this journal in right. and you'll be fine. Yeah, but yeah. we want to teach them that responsibility of deadlines. Yeah. Well, cause I mean, right now grades are, are, are important, but they're kind of an ethereal thing. It's this, it's this, uh, it's this, uh, idea that everyone has agreed upon has importance, but when you're starting a business and there's actual paychecks and bills 
and contracts and sometimes employees, so it, the rubber hits the road a lot quicker and, and deadlines aren't just like, oh man, that feels heavy in my heart. It's like, oh, that has real world consequences or implications as well. You know, hey, I, I didn't get back to that distributor as quickly as possible and they went with someone else and oh no, right. you know, and like that has just changed my projection for this quarter and things like that, you know. Um, yeah. And, and so it is it is kind of a, a dance to have yeah. to uh, be exposing kids to the idea of of what these things are while still having it within the safety net of education. Yes. And giving yes. them a space to to learn and to dream. Um, talking about now uh, the the current business owners and the community leaders you have been working with as mentors or as presenters and stuff like that. Um, we, we, we mentioned earlier, you know, this this area of the Sock Valley, and I've mentioned it before on, on uh, the podcast, how it, it has not followed the trajectory of other Midwest towns where there was a big economic downturn. Lots of the, the stereotype is that, you know, we keep speaking generalities, but the stereotype is that when there's a big economic downturn, the city becomes a forgotten blip on the highway. Whereas here in the Sock Valley, that didn't happen. There's been a, a resurgence. There's been uh, more people investing in the community, it seems like. Um, and and um, so when you look at people who you have relationship with, or even as you look around the community, what surprises you about the type of person who has had a successful business here? Or, or maybe what is something that you've noticed as a common factor? Hmm. You know, the, I don't know that I can even answer that question. Mm. I might have to think about that a little yeah. bit more. Well, because um, I've had conversations with, and there's there's many people in agriculture here, you know, in our farming area. And sometimes the story is, well, I'm a fourth generation right, such and right. such farmer. And so sometimes that, and that doesn't discount their hard work, their, you know, right. uh, uh their uh, intelligence and, and acumen and doing this kind of thing, but you can kind of see, oh, that was a journey for them. Whereas, uh, at least from what I've seen, a lot of these businesses, it's not third and fourth generation insurance salespeople. Right, right. It's not third and fourth generation uh, gym owners or uh, attorneys, and 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 so there is kind of a, it's it's a lot of entrepreneurial people are first generation people. Well, you know, the one thing that comes to my mind is, you know, when the mill did close, yeah. it forced that hand a little bit, mm. uh, probably, right? Yeah. I mean, if you don't have a job, then... I, so I guess to answer your question, if if life is doing this to you, then you have to figure out mm. this to do. Yeah. And maybe some of it comes from that. I mean, we will talk to many people who say... I worked at National and then they closed and now I'm doing this. Or yeah. I was at the mill and, you know, it's so I think there's some of that. Um, and what surprises me about that is, and I think this is a little bit, I'm older, so this is an age thing, is how long it takes to recover from something. So you think about 10 years ago, 2015, when yeah. that was, yeah, yeah. I to do the math, but it doesn't happen in five years. Yeah. It happens in 10 or 15 and mm. you morph into something new. Mm. Um, might be fun for you to talk to somebody that can take you back yeah, to those days. Absolutely. Because you're seeing what's happening now. Right. Um, and I'm since I've only I've been here 16 years, six of it commuting. So really, I'm, I'm one of the newer people yeah. to the area in some ways. Yeah. Um, but CEO has definitely thrown me into that arena mm. mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. And, and I think, too, there's there's the. Uh, 
the fact that um, you're mentioning not only is it the the willingness to kind of you know fail fast or fail forward, but also almost a willingness to be uh, play the long game and, and be willing to 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 notice that sometimes things have to develop over time. Is that a message that is hard to receive for your students? Oh, I think it, we should probably get them in here and ask them. <laughs> <laughs> I think that makes sense um, mm. because you, I I would guess that they're mostly looking, I got to decide what college to go to and how I'm going to pay for it. Right. If that's the, the journey or you know, um, it, maybe it's a tech school and then I'm hoping to land here or, you know, my kids talk about, you know, I want to be in Florida. You know, yeah, I want to, yeah. I want to leave the area. I mean, yeah. that's very common at that age. And I say, go for it. Yeah. Um, our goal in CEO is that now that you know, all the wonderful things that are here and it's a great place to work and play yeah. that someday maybe you will come back. Yeah. But, you know, one of the things that I always try to do is when they hear, like we were at the city, city hall, and we heard from city officials and they were talking about the area. The point being, if you don't end up here, you're going to end up somewhere else where there's a city hall. Yeah. And you need to remember the message you heard here yeah. really isn't that different. Yeah. Get involved, be a volunteer, yep. you know, do those things. So it's not just about here. It's about what you learned here that you take with you. Um, but if, as always, we hope they come back. Yeah. And and. But but the 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 top priority be being uh, becoming the type of person who invests where they are. Yes, yeah, yes. absolutely. No, I, and and I I appreciate that so much. Of and, and that's one of the 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 reasons this podcast started was noticing how many people in this area have planted their flag and said, "I want to invest in this area. I want to make this area even better than it already is because of all the the, the great things, you know." But but I see maybe a need or I see something that's missing, so therefore I'm going to invest in this area. And so uh, one of the questions I ask uh, all of my guests, but I ask you is is what is something that you think might be missing, or if or if you could change something, what is something that you'd change about the Sock Valley? You know, I did see that question on the list, and I didn't think about that one very much. Hmm. Um, you know, maybe it has to do with, you know, having retired from one career and being semi-retired. I'm a pretty content person, hmm. you know, and life unfolds as it should. Hmm. I'm not necessarily that shaker and mover civically that, you know, I once sure. was. Um, sure. But I really can't think of anything right now. Yeah. Well, then what gives you hope? What 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 gets you excited about this area other well, than what we've already talked about? Well, you know what I really do love about this area um I I love seeing the small businesses develop and mm. I try to shop local no matter what community I'm in. Mm. I love the small boutiques. I always buy something, right? Mm. No matter what community. Um so I love that. Um and I love the food of the area. Right. Going back to that foodie thing. But I also love the the trails and the beautiful river front. And, you know, we, it is really a beautiful area. Yeah. And the parks and, you know, being outdoors in the spring, summer and fall. Forget the winter. But, you know, um, you know, that's really, I think, the beauty of the area. Yeah, I really do. Yeah. I really no, and do. it's true. And we've got, you know, however many uh, state parks within, you know, a hop, skip and a jump away and stuff like that. And, you know, yeah. 
I, I agree. I think I think that the 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 natural beauty, uh, ha- having just moved here only a few months ago, um, I've been experiencing most of the the frozen beauty. Yes, <laughs> of this area, and I'm excited uh, to be taking my kids on a lot of these these hikes in these areas and to yes. start experiencing some of the river life and stuff like that. Yeah. Have you seen the pelicans yet on no, the Rock River? Oh my gosh! Yet. Yeah, yeah, it's weirdest thing. Yeah, I just saw some this morning. See, when I think I pelicans, walking. I think a coast. Well, yeah, there's some weird, I don't know, you have to ask somebody else. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that they, they hang out here. <laughs> that's that's so cool. That's so cool. Well, um, as we're, we, we talked about a little bit already if, if people want to get in touch with you, but as, as we're coming to a close, what are there any projects that you're currently working oh, on that you'd like to tell people about? Absolutely. Um, this time of year, a lot of people know it's going to be time for the trade show. Mm. So I'm going to give you the 30-second CEO elevator pitch, which yeah, I teach the, the students have to develop one at the beginning of the year because mm. someone will ask them about CEO and it's a very complicated program. Yeah. You have to be able to say it in a few words. So here we go. So students apply to be, get into the CEO program. They must dress business casual, drive to locations, follow a calendar every single day. And they hear from about 40 different speakers, about 60 professionals come into the classroom and teach. They have a mentor. And as a class, collectively, they must come up with a class business to turn a profit. Mm. They have no money. And what we love about CEO is it's real. It's real money. Mm. They make that money. And then in the second semester, each student will start their own individual business, write a business plan with the help of the mentors and other bankers and so forth and so on. And then they will give the Shark Tank pitch and ask for a piece of that profit that they made as a class earlier. And then they use that money to actually develop their business. So it's very real. Wow. It's real money. It's real product. It's real service. And then it's featured at a trade show. And that trade show is coming up April 26th and 27th out at the mall. Okay. And it will include both the East and West classes. So there will be 29 business booths set up. And what I love about that event is it is like a highlight of the community because you have all the investors coming, the speakers who spoke, and parents and grandparents and school personnel from, you know, 19 schools feed into the career center. So this is a pretty big deal. So it's just a great celebration of young people and business. So that's absolutely double win right there. Yeah, absolutely. No, that sounds really exciting. So that's coming up end of this month. Yes. Um, If, if folks wanted to get in touch with you, if they have heard something they really want to know more about maybe, or if they, they they just want to connect with you, where would you point people to to either connect with you or with uh, the Whiteside Area Career Center as well? So um, we have a Facebook page. It's um, WACC CEO. We post almost daily on that page where we've been and what we're doing. So if you follow us, it gives you a really good feel for what this program is. Yeah. Um, and if you're not into Facebook or things like that, if you go to our webpage, it's W. ACC-CEO.com, you can subscribe to our newsletter, and that newsletter pulls all those photos and the little write-up from Facebook automatically into a newsletter that you would get into your email. Oh, yeah. And it is a great way to keep track of what we're doing, what's coming up, who the kids are. Um, 
and so forth and so on. So it's pretty great. How exciting. Do, have you, do you have a, a sneak peek of a couple of the businesses that are going to be at the trade show? Oh, All the I, ideas the students have come up with? Uh, if, you know, I can't mention any names because they will, you know. Sure. I, I don't even know if I should mention anything because well, they'll, why didn't you what, tell them? What about, what about a, a previous year? What are some highlights oh, that might of, be better. Let me of think. Some, some of the ideas these students have come up with? Well, we always have students who think selling food is a good idea. And that's, you know, what I love about that. There's things I love about that and don't love about. The thing I love about it is they're solving a problem. People yeah. come to trade show, they're hungry. Yep. And so that's really cool. But then you think, but is this solving a problem? Is this entrepreneurial? You know, I don't know. Sure. Is it, so, um, well, everyone's got to eat. Yeah, that's right. So we typically have a food court almost where kids are selling different things. And I'll just mention um, Mitch and Nick, who were men with crepes. Men with crepes. And they just made the crepes right there at that food court to your liking and people gobbled them up. So that's just one of many yeah, examples. Yeah, absolutely. Well, how fun. And and uh, Lee, I just so appreciate uh, you coming on the show and sharing your story with us. Well, thank you. It's just always fun to talk about CEO. Absolutely. And well, and, and truly it is, it is one of those things that I think is uh, one contributing factor to the Sock Valley that, that, I mean, it's, it's, it's this many faceted group effort to make this the type of environment that fosters that type of thinking. Absolutely. But it's so it's so incredible that um, being able to uh, have seen this pioneer in a different area, but then see it flourish here in this area. I truly do. I, I think I think it's it's contributing to uh, the bright future that the Stock Valley has. I would agree. And I hope we see you and your family at the trade show. Oh, I am definitely going to be there and uh, bring money. I'm going to be I'm going to be looking for crepes now. Oh, not this year. <laughs> Walls, come on. You know, no, it's OK. I, I won't tell I won't tell my daughter about any pancakes or anything. We'll just see what's there. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, thank you so much for sharing your story with us today. You're welcome. Thank you. Yeah. And until next time on the Sock Valley Spotlight, I'm your host, Drew Williams, and let's keep finding the beauty of this place we call home.